0: Section 45 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Essays of Samuel Johnson. Section 45 Unjust Charges of Plagiarism. The Adventurer, Tuesday. October 2nd, 1753. Dulcique animos novitate tenebo, avid, and with sweet novelty your soul detain. It is often charged upon writers that with all their pretensions to genius and discoveries, they do little more than copy one another, and that compositions intruded upon the world with the pomp of novelty contain only tedious repetitions of common sentiments or at best exhibit a transposition of known images and give a new appearance to truth only by some difference of dress and decoration the allegation of resemblance between authors is indisputably true but the image of plagiarism which is raised upon it is not to be allowed with equal readiness a coincidence of sentiment may easily happen without any communication since there are many occasions in which all reasonable men will nearly think alike writers of all ages have had the same sentiments because they have in all ages had the same objects of speculation the interests and passions the virtues and vices of mankind have been diversified in different times only by unessential and casual varieties and we must therefore expect in the works of all those who attempt to describe them such a likeness as we find in the pictures of the same person drawn in different periods of his life. It is necessary, therefore, that before an author be charged with plagiarism, one of the most reproachful, though perhaps not the most atrocious of literary crimes, the subject on which he treats should be carefully considered we do not wonder that historians relating the same facts agree in their narration or that authors delivering the elements of science advance the same theorems and lay down the same definitions yet it is not wholly without use to mankind that books are multiplied and different authors lay out their labors on the same subject for there will always be some reason why one should on particular occasions or to particular persons be preferable to another some will be clear where others are obscure some will please by their style and others by their method some by their embellishments and others by their simplicity some by closeness and others by diffusion the same indulgence is to be shown to the writers of morality right and wrong are immutable and those therefore who teach us to distinguish them if they all teach us right, must agree with one another. The relations of social life and the duties resulting from them must be the same at all times and in all nations. Some petty differences may be, indeed, produced by forms of government or arbitrary customs, but the general doctrine can receive no alteration. Yet it is not to be desired that morality should be considered as interdicted to all future writers, men will always be tempted to deviate from their duty and will therefore always want a monitor to recall them in a new book often seizes the attention of the public without any other claim than that it is new there is likewise in composition as in other things a perpetual vicissitude of fashion and truth is recommended at one time to regard by appearances which at another would expose it to neglect the author therefore who has judgment to discern the taste of his contemporaries and skill to gratify it, will have always an opportunity to deserve well of mankind by conveying instruction to them in a grateful vehicle. There are likewise many modes of composition by which a moralist may deserve the name of an original writer. He may familiarize his system by dialogues after the manner of the ancients, or subtilize it into a series of syllogistic arguments. He may enforce his doctrine by seriousness and solemnity, or enliven it by sprightliness and gaiety. He may deliver his sentiments in naked precepts, or illustrate them by historical example. He may detain the studious by the artful concatenation of a continued discourse, or relieve the busy by short strictures and unconnected essays. To excel in any of these forms of writing will require a particular cultivation of the genius. Whoever can attain to excellence will be certain to engage a set of readers whom no other method would have equally allured, and he that communicates truth with success must be numbered among the first benefactors to mankind. The same observation may be extended likewise to the passions, their influence is uniform, and their effects nearly the same in every human breast. A man loves and hates, desires and avoids, exactly like his neighbor. Resentment and ambition, avarice and indolence, discover themselves by the same symptoms in minds distant a thousand years from one another. Nothing, therefore, can be more unjust than to charge an author with plagiarism merely because he assigns to every cause its natural effect and makes his personages act as others in like circumstances have always done there are conceptions in which all men will agree though each derives them from observation whoever has been in love will represent a lover impatient of every idea that interrupts his meditations on his mistress retiring to shades and solitude that he may muse without disturbance on the approaching happiness or associating himself with some friend that flatters his passion and talking away the hours of absence upon his darling subject whoever has been so unhappy as to have felt the miseries of long-continued hatred will without any assistance from ancient volumes be able to relate how the passions are kept in perpetual agitation by the recollection of injury and meditations of revenge, how the blood boils at the name of the enemy and life is worn away in contrivances of mischief. Every other passion is alike simple and limited if it be considered only with regard to the breast which it inhabits. The anatomy of the mind, as that of the body, must perpetually exhibit the same appearances, and though by the continued industry of successive inquirers new movements will be from time to time discovered, they can affect only the minuter parts and are commonly of more curiosity than importance. It will now be natural to inquire by what arts are the writers of the present and future ages to attract the notice and favor of mankind they are to observe the alterations which time is always making in the modes of life that they may gratify every generation with a picture of themselves thus love is uniform but courtship is perpetually varying the different arts of gallantry which beauty has inspired would of themselves be sufficient to fill a volume sometimes balls and serenades sometimes tournaments and adventures have been employed to melt the hearts of ladies who in another century have been sensible of scarce any other merit than that of riches and listened only to jointures and pin-money thus the ambitious man has at all times been eager of wealth and power but these hopes have been gratified in some countries by supplicating the people and in others by flattering the prince honor in some states has been only the reward of military achievements in others it has been gained by noisy turbulence and popular clamors. Avarice has worn a different form as she actuated the usurer of Rome and the stock-jobber of England, and idleness itself, how little soever inclined to the trouble of invention, has been forced from time to time to change its amusements and contrive different methods of wearing out the day. Here, then, is the fund from which those who study mankind may fill their compositions with an inexhaustible variety of images and illusions, and he must be confessed to look with little attention upon scenes thus perpetually changing who cannot catch some of the figures before they are made vulgar by reiterated descriptions. It has been discovered by Sir Isaac Newton that the distinct and primogenial colours are only seven but every eye can witness that from varying mixtures, in various proportions, infinite diversifications of tints may be produced. In like manner, the passions of the mind which put the world in motion, and produce all the bustle and eagerness of the busy crowds that swarm upon the earth, the passions from whence arise all the pleasures and pains that we see and hear of, if we analyze the mind of man, are very few but those few agitated and combined as external causes shall happen to operate and modified by prevailing opinions and accidental caprices make such frequent alterations on the surface of life that the show while we are busied in delineating it vanishes from the view and a new set of objects succeed doomed to the same shortness of duration with the former Thus curiosity may always find employment and the busy part of mankind will furnish the contemplative with the materials of speculation to the end of time the complaint therefore that all topics are preoccupied is nothing more than the murmur of ignorance or idleness by which some discourage others and some themselves the mutability of mankind will always furnish writers with new images and the luxuriance of fancy may always embellish them with new decorations. End of section forty five. Recording by Pamela Nagami.